Hello! Hi, everybody! Welcome back. Welcome to another episode of I'm Horrified. I'm Horrified. New week. Yay! We're Sam and Allie. Start your week off right or, <laughs> you know, fine. Or wrong. Or wrong. In many I'm ways. talking about something that's not that fun today, but I mean, it's 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 very interesting and, yes. and informative, but it's not necessarily like start your day off right with this pretty sad <laughs> yeah. story about um, people being exploited. Yikes. Um, and that leads me into my topic. Uh, today, Sam, I'm going to talk about voluntourism. Do you know Ooh. what that is? I'm a little bit familiar with it, but I don't know that I could do like a nice succinct definition. Great. Um, I, well, I have that. Amazing. Give I actually me. don't have it at the beginning, but I'm going to talk about it. Great. So the first I ever heard of this phenomenon, I guess we'll call it, was from a Vice documentary, like one of those YouTube yes. shorts, called The Dark Side of Rich Kids Volunteering Abroad. Oh, Obviously, I clicked on that's it. That's the exact kind of stuff I oh my on, God. too. The internet knows what I want and spoon feeds it to me like a toddler. <laughs> um, all right. So in that documentary, a woman who is anonymous, she wears like a mask, describes her experience going on humanitarian trips for over a decade as a young person and spending thousands of dollars on trips that she said were marketed to her that she said were marketed to feel life-affirming. Like, you'll have this experience and you'll help people out, but you yourself will also have, like, a transformative experience. Yeah. And that sounds amazing, right? Absolutely. Like, you're using your money and your time to help somebody else, mm-hmm. and both parties, like, all parties are going to benefit from it. Yes. It sounds great. It sounds... It's something I've heard of a lot. Like, people do it through their church. They yeah. do it through school. They do it through college. Feels good to do good. Feels good to do good. Amen. So she describes spending around $3,000 to travel to Tanzania in order to volunteer at an orphanage um, for needy children in the area. And this is almost always the case. These programs are usually centered around orphanages or other institutions for impoverished impoverished children, Mm -hmm. mainly just children. Yeah. And no families. And she said that at first she noticed that the kids would rub dirt on themselves before running up to them and hugging them. Like they would come and greet them at the vans that they were getting off and run up to them and hug them and would be clearly like trying to make themselves look dirtier and worse, which is obviously very odd. And even more odd is that Younger children are developmentally meant to be wary of strangers. Mm-hmm. You know, when a kid's, like, shy and hiding behind their mom's leg, that that makes sense. They usually stick close to adults that they already know. Mm-hmm. So that is odd behavior from a child you do not know. Yeah, to it, just run right It up. might make you feel good, but it's odd behavior. It's mm-hmm. odd developmental behavior. So she describes teaching English classes and helping to build a library. That was the main thing they were there to do. They were going to build a library. Mm -hmm. Isn't that great? So they would be building during the day, and then they would eat their meals separately from the kids. They would Mm -hmm. eat their meals. And they would sleep in, like, you know, a comfortable situation. Like, it was minimal, but, like, they had air conditioning. They had running water, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So one night, this woman gets up during the nighttime or early in the morning And she walks over by where they've been working on the library. 
And she sees that a local crew of workers are very obviously undoing the work that they had done that day and redoing it correctly. Oh. So at this point, the the pieces are falling into place. Yeah, right? really. Oh my God. The point of them being there is not to genuinely help these kids. The point is for them being there is for them to basically cosplay humanitarianism. There is no library that needs to be built. They are not helping really mm-hmm. in any way. This is this is a experience that has been crafted for them. It's like theater. Children included. Yeah. So that is what volunteerism is. When when you are traveling to vo- to a volunteer trip, but actually this is a trip tailored for you to have a good experience so you will pay money again yeah. to do it again. And that money ends up in the hands of someone, whoever's running the trip, and usually not the kids. Mm-hmm. Almost never. So after I saw this short documentary, it made me think back to high school and college. And every so often I would see like a friend or an acquaintance post pictures of themselves with children in other countries and like tag themselves in the country and talk about like, I'm doing volunteer work here and I met these people and all this kind of stuff. And at the time I found that a little exploitative and Mm -hmm. performative, but I didn't think about like the structural elements in place that would lead to that photo being taken. Yeah. Right. I would say, oh, okay, that's nice. But I didn't think who is staging these photos? Why are they taking photos with these children? They Mm -hmm. don't know. Who is using these photos as marketing? Why are these photos being used in marketing? Mm -hmm. How much did this person pay to get into a situation where they get that photo as their profile photo? Yeah. So in researching more about this, I heard about a lot of similar orphanage schemes. Sometimes where children were actually withheld resources, even things like food and water, and especially like toys and books, brought to them by visitors, those would be taken away from them. Oh my God. Because they didn't want the next group to see them and think, oh, they're doing well. Oh God, that's really horrifying that they'd get these things and then it would be taken away. So yeah, even like them being present is actually making things actively worse. Oh my God. Because they're taking things away and often also would take things away so that they could give children like good food or a good place to sleep or something in exchange for them doing what they want them to do, which Mm -hmm. is running up to these adults they don't know. And, you know, posing for pictures and things like that. So they keep these kids in bad situations to enhance this, like, made-up white savior experience for the voluntarists to have. I heard about one org called Hope of Life International. And so their presupposed goal is to rescue babies who are in need of medical care who live in mountain villages. Mm -hmm. So it's hard for them to get adequate medical care. Great in theory. Great in theory. And they had all these like pictures of like them like holding babies and like, you know, trekking down like rough terrain and all this kind of stuff. Like you get to be a hero. Mm -hmm. There are stories of them keeping sick children away from medical care until voluntarists were able to get there wow. so they could have that experience. Oh my fucking god. Which is fucking like un like unimaginably yeah. horrible. So, 
Let's talk about some of the problems. There's the obvious problems. Yeah, I would say if you don't know but, the problem yet, <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, re- <laughs> rewind. Um, but there's a couple factors at play here that you that need to be paid attention to to see if a scheme like this is happening. And there's a couple of also things that I didn't really know about that I kind of took to be truths that are not that are not true mm-hmm. about people who are living either in poverty or in a country that's been affected by colonialism over decades and centuries and things like that and people who are in need of some kind of support. Yeah. So almost all orphanages or institutions where children are housed without families are not good. I never thought about this. No, me neither. I guess I thought... It's good that they're somewhere. Yeah, I guess I assumed if they're there, that means that they have absolutely zero family. Yes, you would think that, wouldn't you? Yeah. So in reality, so most wealthy families, including our own, the system for children who are, you know, in difficult situations focuses on reunion with the biological family. Mm -hmm. That's what happens in America. Now, problems. (laughs) And if not fostering or adopting into another family unit. So like a foster family or, you know, an adoptive family. There's millions of issues with our system. Um, And of course, and and adoption into families come with their own traumas, even in the best of circumstances. Yeah. But one thing developmental science is absolutely sure of is that that situation is better than any institutional situation. Any kind of institutional orphanage where children are being held in mass with no family unit they will not be able to develop properly the point that all children need that family unit to receive the care that they need and i really didn't think about that and i'm like i have a education degree Mm -hmm. i've learned about child development but i didn't think about that because that's not the kind of child that i was working with so i didn't think about that I just assumed, oh, well, it's good that they have orphanages Mm -hmm. because that's, they're taking care of them. Yeah. I guess, like, if you had asked me, like, should all children have a family, I would have been like, yeah. But I, like, never would have thought deeper to be like, and there are plenty of children who are being housed in a situation that that's not being That children being in in an orphanage is a crisis situation unto itself. Is preventing that. I didn't think about it that way. And so that was a real eye-opener. So funneling money into this kind of system at all, mm. even if you're not volunteerizing, <laughs> I don't know how to say that yeah. as like an active verb, but like if you, even if you're not volunteering, that supporting institutions like that are almost, it's almost never going to be a good situation. So here's a quote from The Guardian. In Cambodia, 40 years after the Khmer Rouge genocide, the number of orphanages have been growing, according to the UN. The reason is demand, but not from abandoned children. Instead, it comes from a huge rise in Australian tourists willing to pay to work in them. Oh my God. So they're opening more orphanages, not because they need them for children, but because it's advantageous to tourist dollars. Oh my God. Horrifying. It incentivizes all the wrong shit. Exactly. So speaking of these children who end up in these situations... Almost none of them, almost none, are actually orphans. Like, they do not have a mother or father. Wow. And almost always they have at least some biological family who they could go back to to live with. 
so like almost none of the children are in a situation where like they have no parents, their parents are dead, and like they have no biological family willing to take them. Almost no children are in that situation. But these programs will prey upon poor communities and convince them, hey, if you send your kids here, they'll have a better life than they can have with you. They'll go to school. They'll have like three square meals a day. They'll usually talk up them being at this program much more than they're actually going to be able to experience because they need kids to be in these institutions to sell these experiences. Oh my God. It's almost like a boarding school the way exactly. they pitch it. Yeah, they pitch it like that, but obviously, and, and so in these places, if this is what's happening behind the scenes, obviously this is a gateway to a million other abuses mm-hmm. and things like that. Like, you know, I won't even go into detail about that, but like you can imagine the kind of things that could slip through the cracks in a situation like that where a lot of children are housed like in mass. Mm-hmm. But yeah, overwhelmingly, if given adequate resources, these kids would have families to go back to and communities to be a part of. Yeah. And sometimes it's something like, you know, they just, you know, their families can't afford to feed everyone in the family or keep their the, a roof over their heads. So the same article that I was quoting before said, if children go to institutions because their families are poor, the solution would seem to be working to reduce poverty rather than building and funding more institutions. But institutions become the solution because governments don't have or are not willing to spend money for anti-poverty work. Funding for orphanages, by contrast, just drops from the sky. In many poor countries, it dwarfs funding for every other kind of relief or developmental work. Wow. And you can understand why that would be, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like you hear orphanage and you're like, Of course. Vulnerable children. Yeah. You know, like that has to go, that has to go to the top of the list, Mm -hmm. right? So it's important to realize impoverished and at-risk areas do not need the help of unskilled college students. Yes. So if an organization is asking for your help or saying that you're going to be providing support to children or like bringing them joy or having like a hands-on part of the solution... Like, there's a reason that's not your job. Yeah. There's a reason that you're not doing that in America. You shouldn't do it anywhere else. <laughs> like, sorry, Kelly, who yeah. goes to BYU. It's <laughs> not gonna, it's, it, that's not where you should be. And and often, people in those places are in desperate need of jobs themselves. Mm-hmm. They need jobs. Um, so there are so many places that need money, supplies, and opportunity but the focus should be on getting those things into the hands of the people who live there. Um, you know, they're not in that situation because they are incompetent mm-hmm. or lazy or like can't figure out how to do things. These situations are usually brought upon by centuries of colonialism and systemic oppression and international systemic oppression compounding over time. Yeah. So sending a bunch of white college kids somewhere is basically saying like, oh, well, these like these kids are motivated to help so they can actually make a difference as opposed to the literal community members yeah. who could be, you know, building up their community if they had the resources to do so. Mm-hmm. So people in these communities have the skills, they have the cultural knowledge and the traditions, you know, that the community should be upheld on. And most importantly, their work and skills should contribute to a local economy. 
Yes. So where people live and work and buy and sell together from their community. You know, if if aid is coming in, it should be aiding that economy, not like a separate economy happening outside of the community. Mm-hmm. So that begs the question, well, where should I put my money? If I have four grand and I want to do good with it, how do I spend it? Should I spend it on a mission trip to Cambodia. No, no, don't do that. Don't do that one. Ideally, you can find a charity that does what I just described and puts resources and money directly into the hands of community members. So you can do that in a few ways. There are online charity watchdogs like Charity Navigator and GuideStar, which I'm sure you're familiar with. I sure am. We're, oh, you're still a Devo gal. I'm I am still. I'm Devo gal. <laughs> um, so those will, those kinds of Websites will often offer like scores or summaries of how effective charities are and offer warnings for illegitimate organizations. You can also look up the org on the IRS website if it's in America to make sure it's a 501c3. If it's based in America and it's like internationally working but based in America, you can look it up on the IRS. And then you can even check websites like give.org and the BBB Wise Giving Alliance um, to see if complaints have been lodged. So if like a place has a million complaints against it. Probably not a good idea. Yeah, totally. Another thing to look for is whether or not the charity is helping to protect just kids Mm. or looking to keep families and communities intact. And so it feels counterintuitive because obviously you hear kids are in need. You want to help kids. Like it it feels like you should help kids more than adults because they're more vulnerable, right? But in truth, the best thing for children is to be able to stay with their families, to stay with their parents, to stay with their siblings, to stay with their family. And that can come down to extremely small amounts of money that people need just for food and shelter, like things that just allow families to stay together. Mm -hmm. So if it's all about like, it goes to children who are all in this program and all this kind of stuff, and it's in an institution or an orphanage or a collection of needy children, like, well, where is that money going to reunifying them with a family, mm-hmm. their family mainly, but a family, a family unit? Because as, again, an orphanage is not an acceptable place for a child to develop. They need to be in a family unit. Yeah. So another way to contribute as, as, as opposed to volunteerism would be to travel ethically. So you can do research on hotels and restaurants and shops that are owned by local people and use your money to directly engage in the economy. And you can buy like, you know, you can buy food, you can buy crafts, you can Mm -hmm. buy there's like a million different things that people will be selling who live there, actual people who are raised there, not people who like have moved a hotel and casino there. Yeah. But this requires a lot of research, especially now that larger companies have become aware that people like to shop ethically or at least like the idea of shopping ethically. Mm-hmm. So some places are willing to try and like pawn themselves off as like, oh, this is all local artisans. Yeah. But it's really like mass made crap and they're not giving that money back to the community. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there are lots of beautiful places in the world to visit that have been hurt by decades of exploitative travel. So if you want to travel and do good, that's one way of directly engaging with the local economy. And that could be a way to offer direct support. So I wanted to end with this. Sam, you and I are prime candidates for volunteerism. Mm. Why do you think that is? (laughs) (laughs) 
our demographics. Our demographics. Are, we are, are hitting wh- all we're the... white. We're ed- we're college educated. We have stable economic backgrounds. And I think the other thing is, you know, we're politically motivated. We we are deeply empathetic. That doesn't make us better than anyone else, but it's like we see suffering in the world and it's it's terrible, you yeah. know? Like it makes sense why people would ha- want to do this. Like it, the amount of unfairness and suffering and cruelty in the world can, like, break your brain in half. Mm-hmm. It's just horrible. Oh, my God. And, like, I often will feel so impotent and useless in the face of that. And I want to do something. But then it's like, freeze yourself right here. What's happening right now? Mm-hmm. Like, all that I'm experiencing is about my feeling and wanting. I want to do something. I want to feel better about this. I want to make it better. Like, I want to be the one to make it better. And, like, that's kind of how we've been taught to experience everything. Yeah. Out of how it affects us. And it's, like, my life I'm centering in that situation. So if you want truly in your heart to be altruistic you have to follow research to its most logical and effective conclusion and listen to communities that are saying, this is helpful, this is not helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's important to keep that, you know, it's important to keep that desire to help other people alive. I don't want this to be like, don't try anymore. Every charity is bad. No, that's not the case. But, you know, that desire to help other people, like, comes from within your own self, but then requires work to like decentralize yeah. from your own self, from only yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you got to kind of move it away from yourself and towards towards the center of the universe. Like there's an Ellie Wiesel quote that's like, wherever suffering is most greatest must become the center of the universe. Mm. So you can't be the center of the universe. No. Um, I mean, I'm sure we're all suffering, right? <laughs> but like, you know, in those situations, yes. you have to kind of move the center of emotionality and concern and perspective, especially, to the human beings, not as an abstraction, but as actual human beings and like what's actually happening. Yeah. So... Yeah, there's, I'm trying to end it on a higher note. It's something horrible that's happening, but it, you know, and it's, it's the product of sort of natural, the natural influence of capitalism on everything. Yeah. It takes everything good and poisons it and just kind of is exploitative, but they're, you know, it is also the consumer's responsibility to make sure that they are not centralizing themselves too much in their 100%. altruism. And that's like right in the name, I feel like. Like, voluntourism, like, tourism, when you're on a vacation, you are, you're encouraged to make it about yourself. It's like your time to yeah, vacation relax, be yeah. free, like all of that. And so, like, fundamentally combining it with volunteerism is like counterintuitive and they're not quite meshing. Like, this is supposed to be a time when you're taking for yourself. And you want to be doing good, but in putting those together, you're making the good about yourself. Yeah. And like, I, like the idea also that you can pop in yeah. and do that kind of work. Like I was reading, um, an article that was describing a family who, you know, went to go like possibly like adopt a child mm-hmm. and they went into this institution and they were so horrified by what they saw. Like they 
they sold their house in America and they moved to this country and took in as many children as they possibly could so that they could exist in a family unit. Mm -hmm. Like, that helped. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. They were able to use, like, and they were able to use their own personal money Mm -hmm. to be like, do you you need medicine? This person in our house needs medicine. We're going to buy them medicine. Where, like, you know, they would take, like, somebody who had a family unit and would just be like, if you need to get to the hospital, you, and also your mom, we're going to get you transportation to a hospital. Mm -hmm. Like, that is the kind of way that somebody could actually be a direct support. But that's an insanely specific situation and an insane amount of sacrifice on that person's part to really do that. You can't pop into that kind of situation. And also... As I was saying before, like, it's unnatural for kids to be running up to strangers. Like, these kids have already been through so much trauma. Like, it is more traumatizing to have a parade of strangers coming in and out. Yeah. Like, even if you do make a connection with a child, then you're taking that connection away. Yeah, and you go back to your life. And you get to have this beautiful experience, but that child still exists. That child is not an abstraction. Like, you know, they don't exist to make you feel things about yourself. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's something that was upsetting to read about, but it was, like, I could see something of myself in that. I was like, wow, I could see in another world me doing something like that Mm -hmm. and saying, oh, that would be great. I would love to help. Yeah. And just not realizing how much I was centering my own self in that desire. Absolutely. Um, And I don't think that makes me an evil person. It just means that I'm being self-centered I'm centering my experience Mm -hmm. around myself and if it if I'm really trying to do good in the world it can't be about me all the time a hundred percent sometimes most of the time not (laughs) yeah not not in this case certainly that's so yeah that's so wise and that's such a it is like when you break it down it's like all these obvious things that just like you don't ever think about when you think about these stories of like I went to an orphanage and I built a library like Yeah, and I think there's also just an element of, like, good old-fashioned racism in there. Yeah. Like, we don't have institutions for, for the most part, it's not seen as good to have, like, an American orphanage. Mm -hmm. That's not what we have. We have a foster system and all this kind of stuff. Why would that, why would orphanages then be okay for people in other countries? Yeah. Because it's like, oh, well, that's the best they can do. They, they're they lucky to have that. No. No. That's not right. Mm-hmm. Like, those children shouldn't just be like, oh, well, they have food and water and whatever. Yeah. Like, they should be, have, you know, they should have access to everything that an American child in the same situation would, would need. And obviously, there's even a million problems with the American system as well. But that sort of is like, I didn't think of that as like, Oh, that in itself is a tragedy. Yeah. 100%. That a child would exist in that space and not have a family unit to connect to. Yeah. So, yeah, it's made me think differently about like child development and just the way that I kind of conceptualize different communities for sure. And it is it is fascinating to it's it's sad but fascinating to learn more about more of these schemes yeah and organizations and how legitimized they are and the and the different types of things that they offer you Mm -hmm. that they try to offer you and how staged they are you know what I mean like the guys like 
building a like rebuilding the library you know what I mean like the amount of theater and work that goes into creating this experience for you yeah it's like a it's like a immersive like Disneyland experience like they're trying to immerse you in it Mm -hmm. which is pretty sickening when you think about it definitely but I'm sure we know people who have done things like this. Oh, yeah. And they, and I, like, exactly like you were saying, like, they probably did it out of the goodness of their heart. They might not even know. But they, they might not have done the whole thing and had a great experience. Yeah. But in that moment, they were centering themselves. Which yeah. can't be what doing good is um, about. And, yeah, it's not, like, I don't think that, you know, if you've done that, you're, like, some horrible person. No. I think it's, you just want to, now you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, there you go. And I think it's, like, I... I had never thought about that before, so now you know, I guess. I Now I know. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like I want to watch that Vice um, piece that you watched, too. Yeah, and there's a couple like, of TED Talks as well yeah. of teenagers sharing, like, this was my experience going on these mission trips and realizing, you know, just what was wrong with it. Yeah. So. I'm glad people are starting to speak out about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, because I think at the end of the day, those people do want to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. So when they realized it was not the right thing, they made a different choice. Yep. What else, is, What can any of us do but that? Which is literally <laughs> all we as humans literally can do day to day. Day. That's so true. Um, <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> we'll probably wrap it up and just keep trudging along. Yeah. But... Everyone's doing their best. I'm sure you listening are doing your best. Um, Listeners, make the best choice you can today and then make an even better choice tomorrow. There you you go. That's beautiful. There you go. Do your your darn best. (laughs) I say that to myself every morning. Just do your best. Do your best, girlfriend. Well, we will look forward to seeing you guys next week. Next week is Sam's week. Woohoo! It's always a great week when it's Sam's week. Oh my god. I, I love hearing you talk. That's why we do this. I love hearing you you talk, so this week has been my favorite week. That's why we do this podcast together. That's, we, yeah, that's why we're here. We like uh, hearing each other talk. We like being horrified. We know why we're here. We know why we're here. And I, and I hope you're here, too. And I hope you're here next week. <laughs> but until then, stay horrified. Stay horrified.